0: And now, here's the latest team-building
1: podcast.
0: Today is typically the first uh, Thursday of the month. So it's the, the what Jeff likes to call the high-level, right? The 30,000-foot view of whatever topic it is that we're talking about. Well, Jeff is on vacation with his family in the Ozarks. Yeah, I think, in the Ozarks. Um, so he asked if he could switch with me. And so I think he's going to be doing next week and I'm gonna be doing this week. So you will still get Jeff, he's not off the hook. You will still get him, but today we are going to talk about culture. It's the entire month. And my favorite thing about doing culture in this class is that I'm working with a bunch of super high D's on the disc profile, and who can't stand to talk about culture, but they want me to give them a 30 second answer. Like a 30-second answer to something you need to build over months, right, and years, and it's really hard. So for those of you who are high D, please stick with me in this class. I, I can guarantee you it's important, and we will get through it. So first things first, who in here, raise your hand, feels like they have a good culture in their team, at their brokerage, wherever? Okay, Joe's iffy. Joe's like, maybe sometimes depends on the day. Like Mondays, our culture is really bad. Fridays, our culture is amazing. Right? It's one of those things. Ryan was like, yeah, I'm down for that. Bill says yes. Michelle said absolutely yes. So here's the deal: is culture is not a one-size thing that fits all. I want to make a couple of statements first. Culture is not one size fits all, right? Sometimes LJ's culture and Annette's culture will be very different and they can both be right. Okay, so I want you guys to understand that. So the other thing about culture, culture will happen, right? You, a culture will be created within your team, whether you decide to be part of it or not. Okay, it will happen. And so a lot of people, what they'll do is they'll stand back and then they'll blame it. They'll be like, oh, we have such a bad culture, right? Because they didn't want to do the heavy lifting or the hard work to help guide it to where they wanted it to be. And I think a lot of people use culture as an escape, right, as a uh, excuse, a scapegoat. That's what I was looking for as a scapegoat because they're like, oh yeah, well we would have done really well, but we just had a bad culture. As if it's something that's like mysterious that you can't work on or you have no control over. So Michelle, real quick, tell us, I want you to describe your culture. Because and I want everybody who's gonna be doing this, not like one-on-one, but I want you guys to do this over the next week is literally talk with your leadership, whoever that person is for you, or the person you mastermind with, or whoever, and find out what type of culture do you actually have at your office? And do you know what culture what type of culture that is? So, Michelle, go with us first. How would you describe the culture of your team? First of all, tell us the size, because that's gonna matter, right? size is gonna matter when it comes to culture, what type of culture you have. So Michelle, uh, tell us about the size of your team and then describe the culture of your office to us.
1: Well, there's me, my operations manager, a transaction coordinator, and 10 agents. Our culture is one that we seek to encourage everyone to rise to the peak of what they are able to do. It's one where we encourage uh, friendly competition, we encourage friendship, and we encourage helping one another. Uh, We all want to grow, and we try to give our agents opportunities to mentor one another. We've recently tapped two, one as a onboarding specialist and mentor, and one as our brand ambassador. So our culture is one of opportunity for growth, encouragement to grow, and encouragement to help one another, and we like to have fun.
2: Okay.
0: So I heard the words I heard over and over a lot were, and you didn't say this word, but this is what spoke to me, right? Is her performance is based off of people performing to be the best they can be. That doesn't mean everybody's got to sell 50 houses. It just means that they're going to work on their performance, competition, but in a healthy way, right? And I heard fun, right? And so, and it's, and I love that you... Now, do you feel that that's true? I know you said all those things. Is that what you're striving for? Or is that what you have?
1: That is what we have. Um, We do quarterly events with our folks and they arrange to get together outside. It's like um, last night, a group went paddle boarding together in one of our local rivers. And they just do that for fun because we enjoy one another.
0: Perfect, okay. So I like that. I appreciate that, Michelle. Let's go to somebody who had kind of a Meh. Um, How about Joe? So, you, if yeah. I just walked in your door and and I, uh, I'm i checking out some local brokerages or teams, and I said, well, Joe, tell me what kind of culture you got going on around here. What is it like? How would you explain it to me? I would, I would the way I perceive it is our team is very driven.
3: Um, okay. A lot of people, you know, we're kind of... a our team is made up of a younger crowd. I'm the oldest of the whole team. Um, so the dynamics of our team have got two TCs and um, a new construction admin and then five agents. Okay. So um, what we try to, we're very driven, but we're also very family oriented. Every one of us have a family um, and we want that to be our culture is, okay.
0: is for our team to be like a family. If that makes sense. Yep. So driven and family oriented.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: My family was very different from your family, Joe. <laughs> right. What happens then? What happens then? Explain that. Going a little bit deeper to me. What does it mean to have a family type culture? So we do like family to, get, we try to get together every three weeks,
3: four weeks, something like that um, for dinner or drinks or whatever. Um, we're always in a group chat together, you know, it doesn't always have to be real estate related. It could be somebody's kid is sick or one of our agents is fixing the a baby, things like that. We're always, um, you know, like you would have a family chat with the rest of your family, everyone in a text or something like that. And we're in one of those and we pick on each other. Like if you're going to be a part of this family, you have to have. Thanks, game <laughs> because we we we're we're
0: hard on each other. Okay, so two things there. You know everybody. Oh my god, I'm butchering the spelling. Just don't zoom in too close, Dana. Close enough to read, but not close enough to see this misspelled. So what I'm hearing is when you say family oriented, that means that you know each other on a personal level, right? Which is good, but you're also going to treat each other, right, like siblings would almost. Mm-hmm. Okay. So you might have to have thick skin. Does that mean that your culture is for everybody? No, no. Okay, so understand this. Every time we're creating something that we want to be a part of, we are also excluding people. Yeah. And we're not always just excluding bad people, right? Mm -hmm. So understand that the culture you are building right, is going to only work for a certain subset of people. Mm -hmm. So it's because sometimes people will have, and I'm just gonna give you an example, and I love that. Thank you for sharing, this is perfect. That right there would be great for me. I would love that type of culture, right? But I might find somebody else who does not. So I want you guys to understand this. I'm gonna show you kind of an example here. All right. And you can go back to the, the, what's it called, Dana? the group photo. Okay. So who has run into or knows of a real estate team who has you come in and make phone calls from nine to noon every day, right? And you have to make X amount of calls every day. That's what we're doing. Then at night, you have a call night. Everybody's circle prospect works expired, FISBOS, those types of things, Right. Who, who who has run into these these types of teams? Hey, yeah, you want to work with us? You got to come in every day and, and uh, hit the phones from nine to noon, it's required every day. We you know what I mean, and that's okay. That's not it's not bad, it's different. We've got to get rid of the term, you know what I mean, just because that's not my culture, it's a bad culture. It's just different. That's great. And what are you typically going to get out of this? Right? You're gonna get high producers, you're gonna get high D's on that disc personality profile, right? Boom, boom, boom. They love doing that. They need action constantly. But you're also going to get, what are the two negatives to this? The two negatives, I see John Walker shaking his head. I think he knows them. But the two negatives are gonna be, you're gonna have a smaller agent pool to choose from. Right? Smaller agent pool. I have some people who are like, oh, my God, I absolutely want my team to be just like a family, which that's where I'd like to work, Joe. I'm down with that, right? Every day, twice on Sundays. But then they'll also complain. And I'm not saying this is you, Joe, so have thick skin now because we're brothers. But they'll also, we hear this a lot, is they'll complain and they'll say something to the effect of, but I can't ever get my team past seven or eight members. It's so hard to recruit. Because what if I'm not part of the family? but yet I come in and everybody seems so close knit and tight. And do I automatically feel welcomed or do I feel like an outsider? Because everybody's got inside jokes. Everybody, I don't understand what they're talking about in these text messages. You know what I mean? Everybody, when we go to a a night where we're all going to hang out on, you know, the first Thursday of the month and everybody's at the bar, by the time I get there to, to hang out with everybody, everybody's always chatting. They know everybody, right? You've got to then, Make sure that you're going out of your way to bring those people in. Okay. There's those things that you've got to watch out for. Now, if I'm a person who wants to sell 50 houses a year, make three hours worth of prospecting calls, and I really don't want to be bothered with that other stuff, am I a good fit for Joe's team? No. But Joe's agents also aren't a good fit for this team. So understand that no matter what type of culture you are creating, you are setting out there the perception of the type of agents who will be attracted to you, right? Some have just a culture of turnover. Does anybody know those teams? <laughs> right? It's just a culture of turnover because they really don't have anything set. They're just like, yeah, we'll take anybody and everybody. We, like, we have a culture of throwing names on the pile, right? And, and there are some that are just like that as well. And they will turn and burn through agents, uh, where was the other one, Robert? I'm going to pick on you because I know you have a decent sized team. How would you explain the culture to the culture of your team to this group?
2: Ooh. Um, well, I'm working on changing the culture now to have more accountability. Now that we started our one-on-ones. Yep. Uh, Good. Or it was like the wild, wild west. <sighs> right. And so, any t- and it's still a little bit like that. Sure. Um, you mean it didn't change it overnight a while to, you know, re steer the ship? Uh-huh. Uh huh. But my goal is to have kind of a hybrid between. I used to be the manager of a mega team that had what you talked about a minute ago, where it's like you're on the phone from nine to twelve every day. You have a call night, and everyone hated it. And they also had a culture of turnover because even though they had 50 agents on the team it was this constant burnout and people leaving. And so then they're constantly going and getting new people. Um, I would rather it be more like everybody gets along and you've got to drive yourself, but we'll help keep you on track. You said my favorite word, and it is a
0: culture of, thank you for sharing Robert, accountability. But here's the deal. not
2: micromanagement.
0: There you go. Here's the deal. Does that mean that everybody's going to like to be on my team? If I have a culture of accountability? No. I have to understand that my team is not going to be for everybody. There are some agents that we bring on and they're like, you're kidding me, right? I have to show up to this team meeting. I have to come to a one-on-one. You want me to track my numbers for you? Hard pass. And we had to learn with that. We didn't understand. We tried to make everybody fit into it. And that's not the way it goes, right? We, under, we finally figured out, we were trying to force a culture of accountability on every agent we had when we were a team. And guess what that turned us into? We started to have a culture of turnover. Right, And those agents who are pushing back on that were infecting the ones who were on board already. Okay? So what we we want people to understand is that you have to be crystal clear on what your expectations are when it comes to culture, when you're bringing somebody on, because it helps you investigate if we're going to have a culture of accountability or a culture of uh, family-oriented or a culture of fun... We have to make sure we're setting those expectations with everybody who is checking out our team so that they know that going in. And then we have to figure out how do I mitigate somebody, mitigate the issue of somebody coming in and not seeing eye to eye right off the bat. Because I might be really proud, like Michelle might be really proud of her culture that she's created, right? It sounded awesome. Like who wouldn't want to work there with how she described it? And even if all those things sound great and I join the team, right? Because I had a meeting and Michelle told me all about this. And I'm like, well, yeah, I want to do that. Right? Well, Michelle's got to think about it and say, great. It took me years to create what I have right now. Right? Is it going to take a week or two to assimilate somebody into that? No, it's going to take longer than that. And so Michelle has to think about it and really investigate her culture and how to bring somebody else in, depending on what type of culture she has. Okay. And that's where the rub is. That's where everything sounds great. Like I could ask people, what's the most important thing about your team? Oh my God, our culture. Great. When you go to recruit, what do you recruit? Numbers. Right. Like I love family oriented. That's awesome. Who do you choose who to call and recruit? The people who produce, right? Remember that when you're recruiting, the type of person you're recruiting is just as important as how well they produce. Because maybe somebody, if I'm always going after the high producer, it's just as important for me to understand and know what type of personality they have and if they would fit well with my culture.
2: And we are seeing that here because now we have changed from a team to a brokerage, and we went from 29 agents, I believe,
0: to 111. Do you think we kept the exact same culture? Absolutely not, right? Now our culture went from accountability, which we still have that, and I'm going to dive into something here that I want to get to, we still have accountability. And we still try and have fun. Like we brought in, oh, my God, what did we have the other day? We brought in comedians. We brought in all this stuff. But what you're going to see is, my God, this eraser is going to give me a workout, Dina. You need it. I need it. <laughs> all right. Fair. Okay. So, is we found that. We have a culture of accountability and some agents flock to that Then we have a culture of fun and the agents who never show up to the brokerage meetings or things like that, or the trainings, they're there when we have a DJ and a happy hour, right? And then we have the culture of education. Some people love to come to trainings, but I'll never see them outside of business hours, right? And so we have found that what we needed to do is, like Robert said, I'm not going to micromanage exactly what um, what I, I feel like you need to be to be on this team. I don't want to have to have you come and be held accountable, and you have to come to the fun stuff, and you have to come to all the education. I'm not going to force you to do all those things, but I'm going to have available all those things so that people can choose, okay? And you can do the same thing with your team. And this is when we went from about 11 to 12 agents, when we started getting into 25 to 40. Once we realized that we were gonna start to create options for people, right? Then they could choose how they wanted to. Now, there were some that we just wouldn't allow, right? We are not going to give up on you gotta be a good person. Right. We weren't going to negative stuff we were willing to get rid of right away, but we had to be intentional about it. Otherwise, we didn't know. Right. We didn't know if somebody was negative, if we're not being intentional and actually meeting with them. And and, uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Inspecting what we expect from each one of our agents. Okay, But once we realized that our culture had to be a culture of I can be a culture of accountability without having to meet with someone every single day. I can have a culture of fun without having beers at noon with everyone, right? You can do those things, but understand that it doesn't have to be all you're about. And so what I want you guys to understand is that even within your team, you can have this, dependent, interdependent, and you guys hear Jeff talk about this all the time, and independent. Does the independent person want me to put a culture of accountability on them? Probably not. Right? Does the independent person want me to put a culture of uh, education and training? Or is that more so the dependent person? They want that stuff. Right? The independent person might want a culture of support and technology. That's what we're all about when when we have conversations with them. Okay. The interdependent person might be a mix of both. And then you have to find out what type of agents do I have on my team? Everybody always asked me this question. For those of you who were at the summit, like I saw a lot of people's faces just kind of go, oh, I got asked a question when we were up on stage and they said, what type of agents should I recruit? And I think I just had a question. I saw her on here. Uh I did Brittany, I think. She's not on the screen right now, and she was talking about recruiting. And they say, What's the best agent to recruit? Right? She wants the holy grail. She wants the I've done five to 15 deals because they need me, right? But they don't need me so much. Right? But that's numbers-based. That's strictly numbers-based. That has nothing to do with the culture. Okay. But when people talk about that, excuse me. and they say, what type of uh, agents should I recruit? You have to turn around or look in the mirror and say, what type of agents am I set up to help succeed? Because that's going to help you understand who you should recruit, okay? So if I am set up and I have amazing training and I can do a ton of lead gen, and I have awesome technology to help convert those leads. Any of this sound familiar? Are those things right there going to help me recruit a 50 unit high producer? Probably not. They might be a little interested in the tech, but they're not too interested in my training and they're not too interested in my lead generation. So if I have all these things, I'm like, yeah, is that gonna help me recruit the 50 producer? probably not. So you have to understand what is it that I do good and what is it that I do good that will help someone succeed? Who can I help succeed? If you have amazing relationships with, uh, they're not called MSAs, they're called something else, right? Strategic partnerships. And you have those types of things and leverage with administrative staff, and technology, that's who I can help, right? Those are the people that I'll be able to recruit then. But I don't, recruiting is hard enough without making it harder. I don't want people to turn around and say, well, I want this person because that person makes me the most money. Well, do you have enough value to keep a person who does 50 units a year? Do, do you? Like turn around and look and say, what am I offering this person that's going to make them want to stay? Or do I have the value if I'm like, man, I'm gonna get me a bunch of new recruits so I can create the culture I want right out of the gate and I can teach them how to do real estate the right way, the way I do it, perfect. They come in, do you really have the infrastructure to train them, lead gen for them and help them convert? And do you have the time and staff that's gonna to have to hold their hand and mentor them so that they can become successful? And if you do, great, but if you don't, it's gonna be high turnover and you're gonna be spinning your wheels and wasting a lot of your time. So anytime you guys choose, what type of culture do I want? What type of agent should I recruit? The question is gonna be, what are you set up to sustain? And it's just like, what are you? where do your deals come from? You have to audit yourself. A lot of people don't know where their business came from right? And it's the same thing every time. Just replace the topic we're talking about. Where should I spend my time when I'm uh, trying to sell houses and convert deals? Well, I don't know. Where have you had success? Let's look at it. Do an audit. Where should I recruit? What type of agents should I recruit? I don't know. Let's see. What type of agents have you had success with? And then figure it out. All right, because it's always easy. Well, I want to recruit the agents that make me the most money. And if that's what you want to do, then fix yourself so that you're able to help the agents who are gonna make you the most money have success. But then you have to look at it. Do the agents that are doing fifty houses a month make you the most money? Do they? Ah, uh, fifty houses a month. Jesus, that would be amazing. Fifty houses a year. Do they make you the most money? I don't know. Am I on a CAP program? Right? I may have 10 agents in here who are all on a 50-50 split because I give them all their leads and I train them on a weekly basis and I hold them accountable one-on-one mentorship and they can call me at 830 at night. And between these 10 agents, they all do one deal a month, right? One deal a month and it's a 50-50 split. I'm making pretty good money off of those 10 agents. But I have two of these agents who are doing 50 a year. So 50 a year is about four deals a month. And I have two of them, so I'm doing eight deals a month, but they're maybe on a cap. Oops, sorry, that's eight. Eight deals a month, so eight to 10 is pretty similar, but maybe they're on a cap or they're on a really high split because they're a high producer. This is why we track all those numbers and try and find out who is making us the most money. We know per agent who we're making. So I know that an agent that's, that's doing between one and 12 makes me X, but this agent might only make me Y. But a lot of people don't know. I see people bending over backwards to make sure they keep this person happy when this person makes them twice as much money. Because this person gets them put on lists, right? This person gets them ranked in the top 10 for XYZ brokerage in XYZ region. And then they use that to recruit other people. But is this person making them the money or is this person making them the money? A lot of times people don't know. They don't know where their money's coming from. Remember when you're an agent, you do a self audit, you find out where am I going to spend my time. That's the highest producing, highest producing dollar activity. And then that's where I'm going to double down. Same thing with agents and recruiting, which agents am I equipped to help and which ones are making me the most money? Because then what do I get to do with that money? I get to turn around and reinvest it into the business. Okay? So some are bending over backwards to make sure that they keep this and not spending any time on this. And then if you go look at your books, this is what's keeping you afloat. Right? This is not. But it could be, right? But you have to know your numbers. Okay, sorry, that's getting into a whole nother, like... uh, KPI thing that I don't want to spend too much time on. Okay, so but what I wanted to talk about too is um, when it comes to our culture here, what we found is when we did culture with our team, and I want to get back to that a little bit and not so much into the culture of our brokerage because that's different, but the culture of the team, oh, here it is is we chose to do a culture of accountability first. We chose, like that is literally, you did not come out of a recruiting meeting with us without understanding that we were about account- uh, about accountability. Okay, so we were setting that expectation early. So we were doing it with accountability. And the biggest thing we were having was team meeting every week and then one-on-one with every agent. Okay. every single week. This, what we felt was a culture of accountability helped us do multiple things. It helped us have a culture of fun because we would get together as a team. It would have us do have a culture and I would figure out where everybody fit because I was able to have a one on one meeting with them. There was nothing that happened in this team meeting that we already didn't know the answer to because of all of our one on ones. Right. So it's like the attorney never asked a question of anybody on the stand unless they know the answer. Right. It, we never did anything as a team that we didn't already talk to every single agent about one on one and knew what, what type of response we were going to get. OK, so this helped us by knowing each of our agents on a personal level, almost like family, Joe. Right. It helped us create and host these team meetings where we could then push what we wanted our culture to be. And we decided we wanted our culture to be the makeup of what we were getting from our agents one-on-one, okay? What were our agents interested in when we met one-on-one and then we would use that to create the rest of everything else? And when we talked about accountability as a leadership group, we were being held accountable to our numbers, units being done, agents recruited, GCI, all the stuff. So then we had that filter down and we started holding our agents accountable to the same things because it is very easy to create a culture when we're holding myself accountable to the same thing I'm holding my agents accountable to. It's very hard for me to hold myself and my leadership group accountable to numbers, right? And being able to to make decisions based off of that, but then have my team be based off of a culture of fun or a culture of something else, right? It's got to filter down from the top. If we were all about fun, it would be really hard to have a culture of accountability and numbers for my agents. Right. So it's got to start up here first and figure out what are you and your leadership staff doing and what type of culture do you have? Because it's really hard to look at it one way and then have everybody else do something else. Um, We're going to dive in later this month on literally how we did those team meetings and that accountability. What are some things we do when it comes to accountability, like group accountability, one-on-one accountability, um, those types of things. And we are going to break those down in the weeks to come. And next week, Jeff's also going to speak on um, accountability as well but I think I promised myself and I only went over four minutes. I promised myself that I would try and get as close to time as I could this time. Um, Oh, one thing I didn't announce. September 19th, 20th, and 21st is the team building workshop. Sunday night, there's a get together. Monday is all investors. Monday night is is a dinner. And then Tuesday is all team building workshop. And we are having it in person. So it's not going to be one of the virtual ones. And I think I want to say we already have like I don't think Dana knows 15 to 20 people signed up. So I've been getting a ton of emails from you guys and I want you to be strategic about this. Yeah. Like you're coming back. And I have people like Robert, where are you at Robert? Are you still on here? Robert's like, Hey, yeah, I have a person who I'm trying. And I think even used the word convince. How do I convince them to partner with me? Because they bring a ton of value. I bring a ton of value. This would be a great partnership. And I was like, well, why don't you leverage ERS to convince them for you and bring them out to the workshop? We have so many people who come and they're like, yeah, we're really looking into building this. And I want to have a strategic partner of this mortgage broker that I know. Great. Bring him with you to the workshop. Bring the people that you want to partner with to grow to the workshop. Then you can have us standing up there for 10 hours. Right. Helping them understand it instead of it coming, you know what I mean, through a third person. Be bringing people that you want to partner with, or a lot of people will bring their, uh, if it's Keller Williams land, they'll bring their MCA, they'll bring their team leader, right? Or they'll bring somebody they want to strategic partner with. Bring your person, your, um, your, uh, your Andy or your Kevin, your ops manager, right? Your success manager. Bring them with you to the workshop. Okay. Because then that's when they start to get that clarity. And instead of you kind of dragging them with and giving them checklists, they go back and they're like, Hey, what about this, this, and this, this is stuff that we should do. And they're on your team instead of being pulled with, right. They're pushing with you. So it is September. Oh man, I killed this marker. September. Oh, that's going to be done. 19th, 20th and 21st. It's a Sunday night, Monday, Tuesday. And, um, Again, just a heads up, shameless plug, that's two days after my birthday, so guests are allowed to bring presents. Thank you, Dana. (laughs) Guests are allowed to bring presents, um, and yeah, that's it. I just want to make sure you guys knew that. All right, perfect. Q&A. Now we can talk about anything. We can talk about how amazing Michelle is, and we would like to fly her out to create culture and give a culture speech at one of our brokerages. We can ask Camille and Owen how they are doing when it comes to their new assistant that they've hired. We can talk, I've answered a lot of questions via email about commission splits lately. That's another one. We can talk about um, uh, recruiting. So 919, 920, and 921. Just have those up there. Okay, Bill Keenan from Waterford, Connecticut raised his hand. What do you got, Bill?
4: Uh, thanks, Andy, and I will see you on the nineteenth. We're already booked. We just have to send in our registration. There's three of us. I'm bringing my team leader as well. As my oh, friend. that's awesome! Real quick, Bill, before you answer or ask your
0: question, just raise your hand if you're coming to uh, September's because it's like it's a large group. So we got Michelle's coming out, Robert's coming out. Robert, are you bringing that person?
4: You just I'm her here.
0: this week. perfect. Okay,
4: Bill's coming out. Okay, this is going to be good. All right, go ahead, Bill. So uh, early in your presentation, you talked about the transition from accountability to moving. It sounded like you hit your head with a certain amount of agents and you started to move that culture to something else. Do you remember what that count was? Where did you start to stumble? It seems to me, you know, we have a training environment and I'm very proud of our environment. It's a professional training environment and we have fun too. Um, But at some point, you start to lose control of the environment just because you can't train 25 people. Um, So uh, any feedback on that would be great.
0: Yep, so one reason why we had accountability is because it helped us, for lack of a better term, herd the cats, okay? Accountability that was built in allowed us to at least kind of herd the cats where we wanted them to spend their time, but absolutely, and I can tell you the exact point of when it got difficult. It got difficult when we hit our, all right, right up here. Our 12th agent. Our 12th agent is when it got hard because it moved from a natural family environment and we had pushback from agents on our team who were like, are you sure we have to add this this person? Well, is there something wrong with them? No, but I just don't get as much time with you guys. You know what I mean? Like, am I still gonna get the number of leads? A scarcity mindset we noticed started kicking in when we got to about our 12th to 15th agent, right? And it did not go away until we hit a cap of about 25 to 30 as a team. This is when we really started having struggles. And we realized if we wanted to get bigger, we were going to have to open up to the brokerage model. Now, we went from 30, I think our high water point at one high water mark at one point was 51 agents on the team. And I will tell you, there's no reason that we should have agents on the team who I don't even know who they are. And I'm the success manager. And this started to happen, right? It started to happen and they weren't producing. And this is when turnover started to happen. We were not equipped or ready because I was doing so much stuff that we weren't equipped to having 51 agents. We weren't prepared to do that. So I will tell you, we started noticing at 12 to 15. And then this turnover, we finally pulled back when we were at 51. And we started having it right around the 25 to 30. And then that's when we started implementing teams within a team where some of these agents could be mentored by other agents on the team. We started having some of these agents of the 25 or 30 leading some of the trainings. Right. We started having the team take more accountability with the team. Here, it was strictly just me running everything, training one-on-ones, all of that. Here, I was able to offboard some of the training and mentorship and just hold more one-on-ones with the team leaders. We had to adjust, but these are the benchmark numbers. 12 to 15 is when we first saw a struggle. We broke through that to get to here, but we had to adjust. Then we broke through that to get to here, dropped back to about 25 or 30 and now we started the brokerage
4: it's um just one more comment it's funny you should say that because that's exactly what i'm experiencing right around that 12th person i start to hear the scarcity of we have to join you know i hear it through the grapevine where he's adding too many people so uh i appreciate it and
0: i would love to say like we came up with it we didn't come up with it we just experienced it just like you're experiencing Mm -hmm. it you know what i mean We experienced it. That's what happened. And so now when people ask, just like you right there, we turn around, we say, this is what we experienced. And it's always like, oh my gosh, when you hear other people running into the same things, you know what I mean? So yes, I agree, Bill. We have, we still have an agent with us to this day who was, she started like about two months before I did back in 2011. And she was always the first one who was like, uh, we can't be adding somebody we can't. Nope. Nope. We can't be adding somebody. Right. There's an Andy. You don't have enough time. Are you going to be able to answer when I call? We're not doing enough lead gen. Uh, well, I still get to keep my one on one time. We don't have enough time to speak at the team meetings like you just go down the list right? And it was, we had a moving truck at the time for our clients. There's gonna be so many agents. We're not gonna have, the moving truck's not gonna be available for my clients. Like it was every step of the way, right? She was just like, no. And she was a great producer and she was really, really good with all the agents. And she's still here with us to this day, (laughs) right? And she loves it. But I will tell you this, she was a symptom of other agents, which we found out, but also we felt that we had created a culture where she felt okay saying that to us as leadership. She wasn't turning around and saying it to other people. She was saying it to us, right? Which is, is different. Because she felt comfortable enough to talk to us in leadership about it, not turn around and kind of, you know what I mean, uh, whisper behind people's back. But every step of the way, and it was great because we knew those things because we were having one-on-one conversations with her every step of the way. And she is not shy about letting you know what she thinks. And she's amazing, so she's one of my favorite agents ever. All right. Great
2: question, Bill. Oh, hi, Andy. Uh Oh, who said that? Hey, Camille and Owen, what do we got? Okay. So, uh, one of the things you said really stood out to me was what value are you, um, are you offering to agents to help them stay with you and your team? So Mm -hmm. Camille and I, we just added our assistant. So it's just the two of us still in production. And so we are, working on our value proposition to bring to other agents so i'd like to hear from you and maybe from others how how soon did you guys have your um, value proposition formalized before you started recruiting and bringing agents on to join your team perfect okay so we've talked about ours a ton and i will recap it but i want
0: to hear from some other people first when you brought on your first agents what were you offering them of value what was it of value that you offered them anybody uh, lj Okay, LJ, tell us what was it when you first hired your first agents? What were you offering them a of value? Extreme mentorship. What's that? Mentorship. Mentorship. Perfect. And so what? And you said extreme mentorship, didn't you? I said you can be with me twenty four seven. That's still the offer. You go. Follow me wherever.
3: Come wherever. Learn. See. See what happens. As well as admin staff. At the time it was one. Now it's three front end plus a designer plus a VA but uh initially it was just you can follow wherever see everything be involved in all the conversations at least listen to them and you'll be able to start applying things pretty quickly
0: i love it and he kind of stole my answer because that's what jeff offered me mm-hmm. access right a lot of the stuff i learned was from what, like literally being attached to jeff's hip and you guys have heard that story before he literally just shared his calendar with me and i would just show up on appointments like he would pull up sometimes to a listing appointment and I'd be sitting in my car outside the house. And he'd be like, oh, I was wondering where you were, right? And then I'd just walk in with him. And so it was those types of things or, I, or I'm sitting listening to him make calls. There's a ton of value just by some, remember we told the same thing we told you guys when you're, you hired your administrative assistant? What was my answer? She needs to be stuck to your hip so that she understands what it is is necessary and, and what you need from her. Same thing with agents. If you want to understand how to be successful, follow me. Yeah. Right.
2: Yeah. It's going to do. Oh, go ahead. We
1: had, we had someone in mind recently that um, was new to the brokerage, uh, go-getter. She wasn't really being successful on her own yet. And I was, uh, she showed property for us when we were out of town, super great. And I was like, oh, and I think she might be awesome. And then just last week, we heard she became another team's admin assistant and mm. going to grow into that. And I was like, oh, my gosh, I was scared to have that conversation because I, I didn't know, you know. Um, so yep. I, I think we're also asking at what point uh, do we do we start those combos? Because we're yes. we're good at identifying. It's just being. Yes. Scared.
0: Yes. <laughs> yes. The answer is fail forward faster. Okay.
4: Yes. Oh, LJ okay. says yesterday. Ah, oh, LJ, yes, I
2: know.
0: <laughs> See? Yeah, yes. Fail forward faster. What you did was I'm not worried about that person, right? Whoever the agent was that's now an admin for somebody else. It's the fact that you let an opportunity slip by without taking advantage of it. Okay. So are you gonna fail and are you gonna bring on some agents that aren't right? Yup. But if you learn from those agents, what you uh, and you will learn what to look for in the next agent that you're going to bring on. And you'll also learn as to what am I good when it comes to offering value? You may not even know what type of value you have to offer yet, but you'll figure it out by trying to offer value. You'll figure it out by doing. Does that make sense? Yes. So, yes, it's always Iowa's agents. It's kind of like a joke right now. And they sometimes they won't even like they'll text me and they're like, I had a question, but I realized your answer was just going to be yes. Like, you know what I mean? Because I'm like, of course you should do that. They're like, Andy, should I? And then I just kind of give them a look and they're like, OK. And then they walk out I'm like, yes, go do it. Right. Go do it. If you're thinking about, oh, would this work instead of trying to spend the whole day figuring out if you think it might work, do it and find out. Okay. We could be done and on to something else by 10 a.m., right? So don't spend too—and I know that's really hard for the SCs. Like, you need the numbers to back it up before you make a decision, right? And that's why it's always good to have, like, a high D, like, Jeff in your life. And then I can turn around and talk to Kevin and say, yeah, Jeff wants to do this. Do the numbers back it up? Thank God we have 11 years of numbers to go off of something. But, right? And then I can usually translate because Jeff's like, yeah, I wanted that done yesterday. And Kevin's like, uh, No. Right. And then we'll talk about it. But it is. We found out a lot of stuff where it was. Jeff said, we're going to do all of this stuff. We're going to fail forward fast. And Kevin, your job is to track how everything happened so we can make a better decision next time. And the act of failing was not wasted. Okay, failing is never a waste if you learn from it. And I would have much rather have had you just butcher that whole conversation with this agent and you're like, oh, my God, what did I do wrong? Whatever. Right. Figure it out. But you got to do it to figure it out. Okay, you'll probably never become a successful team because that agent was probably what was going to propel you to be this amazing mega team that was going to take over the whole West Coast right? Is that true? Absolutely not. Of course. There we go. We move on to the next one. We've already forgotten about it and we move on. What you learned is that you're not going to wait next time, right? That's Yes. So there we go. Perfect. All right. There's a couple. Absolutely. There's a couple of, uh, and there's no reason why you can't reach out to that agent anyway. Still. Uh, Oh, (laughs) LJ just had to say it twice. I love it. Thank you, LJ. All right. Perfect. Anybody else with another question? Uh, Michelle Duncan has a question.
1: It's actually related to what Camille and Owen talked oh, perfect about. Yep. I have missed some folks that I wish I had just called. And what I have now discovered is the admin, the person that went to the admin, I find that new, new people who I see potential in, many times they get scared and they need income. And so what I have started doing I, when I interview people and I see that I think they're going to be a good fit, I can tell they're driven. I can tell they want to do things right, but they're scared and they need the paycheck. I offer the extreme mentorship that Bill spoke of, but I promise them that I am going to give them one piece of business because they don't know how to convert leads well yet. I'm going to give them one piece of business and either uh, one of our senior agents or I will mentor them through the process with that agent. And that commission is theirs. That makes people say, okay, I can I can do this. They know they're going to get the, the best of you. They know they're going to get the mentorship. And they know that your expertise and your knowledge is going to help them get a paycheck. And I believe that gives people a level of commitment to you that they're willing to take the risk, not go to the admin, not go to the... To place that's just promising them leads. People need to know that you're going to help them achieve some level of success, you know, hopefully before they get broke, <laughs> trying to wait on the piece of business to come to them.
0: Yep. That is great advice, Michelle. Thank you. So who, who, how often do we hear this real quick? Just to expand on that topic, especially when you're recruiting or talking to anybody admin, whatever. I'm happy where I'm at. Yeah, everybody's shaking their head now because we've all done those recruiting calls. And then what's the follow-up question to that? That's great. What do you enjoy so much about where you're currently at? I want to know what it is that you like being what about where you're at at Resolution Realty. What makes you happy there? Because it's just the same thing when we do stuff about, uh, um, when we're doing um, goal setting, and somebody says, I want to make 100K, why? Well, because that's a lot, right? That's what we hear. They don't know why. They just know that they want to make 100,000. Well, I'm going to challenge them and say, great, what is it that makes you happy where you at?" And it leads back to exactly what Michelle just said. Where they're at isn't scary. They know where they're at. They know that they can make enough money to put food on the table, possibly. They know where they go every day. They know what the expectations are. But is that a place where they will grow? And growth is scary because growth is unknown. You have to fail. You have to have conversations with somebody, even though you don't know you can offer them value. Right. You have to do those things. And so am I, I'm happy where I'm at. Great. Why are you happy where you're at? What is, where, what is it that Vince in Maryland offers you that makes you so happy? Because even if they, that conversation doesn't lead to anything, they're going to think to themselves, what is it that I like so much about Nebraska Realty and why I'm there? Right? What is it? And makes them start to think so that when you have a follow-up question, right? Or a follow-up conversation, that that question that you ask them is top of mind. Don't let them get away with that. I'm happy where I'm at. That's amazing. I'm happy you're happy. What is it about being at ABC Realty that makes you so happy? And it does need to be confrontational. If they come back and they're like, what do you mean? I'm like, well, obviously they're doing something right. I want to know what that is. And make them think about it. And guess what? If they do come back with, well, you know, they offer me X, Y and Z. Oh, well, that's great news because we that's one of the things that we offer as well. Is that it? Right? Is that all they're offering you that makes you happy? Well, this is going to be an easier phone call than I thought. Right? You, you, but I don't know what to mitigate if I don't ask. Okay? And here's here's Camille Camille and Owen, you guys, and I'm, I'm sorry I'm stuck on this conversation about you guys having that the, the, the opportunity that was missed, but you're trying to figure out what type of oppor- what type of value do I have to offer when you don't even know what type of value that person finds valuable. Right. You don't know what that person was looking for. Maybe that's something so easy that you're like, oh, that's it. Well, I got 10 of that. Right? It's like when we sit down with a listing at a listing appointment and we say to somebody, we want to give them our marketing piece that's so amazing and so unique and nobody else in the world has it. We want to give them that marketing piece when what I really just like to do, the very first question I sit down is I'll say, so tell me about the last time you sold a home. What was the best part of it and what was the worst part? Right? What are you looking, what, what, are you, what scares you the most about selling your house this time? What are you the most excited about? Then it allows me to narrow down and then mitigate that fear, right? Instead of telling them what I think they should want to know, all right? And so I just want people to understand that when you're doing those types of things, just like Michelle talked about, right? She sees potential, but they're too afraid because they don't even know how to fix their own situation. So they take the easy way out, which is, yeah, I could make $50 an hour but I don't know how, and it's hard and no one's showing me. So I'll accept $15 an hour because it's guaranteed. Right. And Michelle's saying, Michelle's saying, well, I'll guarantee you one of these. And while we're doing that, isn't that a great interview process over the next 30 to 60 days while we're working this, this piece of business. And you get to be mentored and you get to mentor somebody. How cool is that? but it is all about access to the knowledge to do this instead of settling for this. And that's what Michelle's offering. That's what Camille and Owen were offering their administrative assistant, right? That's what LJ's offering, access to the knowledge to be able to do that, okay? All right, good questions. All right, um, anybody else have their hand up? there are no questions, I'll do it. I will shut this thing down three minutes early, I will. I'll do it, don't, I'll, okay. Going once, going twice, don't, I'll, hey, done. Dana and I, we are gonna enjoy the next three minutes. Forget you guys. No. I love every single one of you. Please, this week, if you do nothing else, think about what type of value add you offer right? And do not let opportunities pass you by, no matter the opportunity. Okay, guys, everyone have an amazing week, and I will see all of you guys next week. All right, (laughs) bye-bye.